With 35% of trucks on the road driving empty, 87 million metric tons of carbon emissions are produced annually. Leveraging machine learning and automation, Convoy is efficiently connecting shippers with carriers while reducing carbon emissions. Learn how Convoy's technology can help your business run efficiently and build toward a no empty miles future at convoy.com sustainability. There is over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're going to have to take into consideration CO2 emissions. Welcome to Net Zero Carbon, a show at FreightWaves where we focus on um, all things around sustainability. We're um, bringing people to the show who can provide insight and knowledge in um, all activity that's really happening around the markets and specifically how it impacts freight and supply chain. Um, I'm super excited today. We're touching on a subject that's uh, near to me. It was in my past life before I joined Freight Waves. And so today we're joined by Peter Fristaro, the founder of the Wall Street Green Summit. Peter, thanks for joining us today. Great to be here, Danny. Peter, um, you've been in, um, in the industry for a while. I, you've been very patient as this market has um, developed. Uh, for the benefit of everyone who's tuned in today, do you mind just giving a little background on yourself? Yes, I'm a former policymaker at the, what became the, the Department of Energy, and I worked on taking the lead out of gasoline in 1976. I also worked on what was called fuel reformulation and went to Asia in 93 and really focused on lead phase down and diesel fuel reformulation. So I've been very involved for decades on transportation and air quality issues. And what I see occurring now is the beginning of a carbon market. Uh, we had kind of a false start in the last two decades, but now uh, the lever has flipped it over and now we're ready to rock. And your, your involvement historically, you've been involved, as you say, there was some false starts. What was your involvement? Um, gosh, it must have been probably 15, 20 years ago now. Well, I was a member of the Chicago Climate Exchange, which was a voluntary exchange in Chicago. I was also on the board of Carbon Trade Exchange in Australia and the UK, and I trained over a thousand people on carbon trading and finance, how to produce offsets, how to move these forward for carbon neutrality. And to be blunt, when the U.S. Senate did not pass climate change legislation in 2010, I pivoted to work on the implementation of AB 32 in California, which in my opinion is the best market in the world for cap and trade. Similarly, I've taught people at the Swiss Finance Institute in Geneva, Tokyo uh, uh, Mitsubishi Research Institute. This is a global commodity market that is just about to hit the ignition button. More recently, we saw carbon credits in the EU hit a hundred euro. We've seen highest prices in California. And similarly, uh, we're starting to see a, a, a real change in how folks are looking at carbon credits and offsets. Uh, for the benefit of the viewers, Peter, so you know, there's the compliance side of the, the market. There's also the voluntary side. Um, in conversations that we've had here internally um, and with our, you know, our, our customers, the most common is voluntary. Um, it seems like it's the, you know, the gateway to getting into the markets. Um, I'd like to focus today on, on the voluntary markets. I think there's a healthy 
bit of, um, you know, uh, of maybe skepticism, but also just uh, not understanding exactly how offsets work. What is the benefit for them, not for only their business, but how they how they work in kind of this ecosystem of, of emission reduction? Um, and also, I think, you know, we talked um, about, you know, the context for why these are important. Um, the other thing that we, we see is that people don't really understand how it's going to impact their business. So you've got, you know, it's in the headlines everywhere. It feels like you, there's social pressure, there's um, capital markets pressure, maybe in, you know, customer pressure for people to be looking into these things. And what I would love for someone who's listening to this episode to be able to walk away and say, okay, now I have a better understanding of why these are important, not just for my business, but for us as, you know, humans on this earth and stewards of the earth and how it makes us more sustainable and how it um, how it pushes um, innovation and investment. But again, to start, maybe just providing some context on um, on what, you know, what these things are and, and how they're going to become important for people's business. Well, the most important thing to recognize is that within the next 18 months, the SEC is going to regulate ESG and most likely carbon climate risk on the balance sheet. So it's going to become real and material. So I focus on the E of ESG. ESG is environmental social governance. So the reality is there's a regulatory driver that, in my opinion, is going to push the United States forward as, frankly, the greenest economy on the planet because we were the first with environmental law for air quality and water quality. And right now we're about to accelerate that. So what we're really talking about, though, is 2030. 2030 is the bogey for carbon neutrality. And the reality is, in my opinion, no company is going to be able to be carbon neutral by 2030, be it by operational efficiency or innovation. They're going to have to buy carbon credits. And where I'm involved is I think there's a, there's a disconnect right now on pricing. The pricing is all over the place. It's two to three bucks a ton, up to a thousand bucks a ton that Stripe paid for carbon capture and storage. That's the beginning of a market. But realistically, companies need to really bulletproof what they buy. And there's a need for high quality credits that are vetted. So the process is actually quite onerous. It's not simple that you just m magically put carbon credits as tokens on the blockchain, and some folks are trying to do that. The reality is you need to get into carbon development. So there's carbon development folks that actually work on real projects that bring this through a process of carbon credit development through registries such as VERA and the gold standard. That juncture, the project has to go through third-party verification. These are companies like SGS, TUV, DNV out of Norway that do the same thing for fuel specifications, do the same thing for LNG tankers. They have to be pristine and non-biased. So after it goes through verification and validation of credits, then you can issue the credits and there can be some pre-selling by corporates. Here's the funny thing. Corporates have been major buyers in renewable energy the last three years. There's no mandate to do this. They do this because employees 
want to know that their corporation, the company they're working for, is sustainable. The same thing is going to happen in the transportation sector. Yes, there are new fuels such as hydrogen, hydrogen for fuel cells. Yes, there's a need to move toward more cleaner and greener. But re realistically, we need to be active in the voluntary markets. There's an enormous task force in the UK with 250 people involved. I think it's very difficult to really get anything done with so many people. I like simplicity and one of my mantras is markets like simplicity for replication of trade. So there are carbon developers such as South Pole. That's all they do. And the voluntary market, in my opinion, is already getting that oomph, that pricing. It's tripled for nature-based solutions in the last six, seven months. And my own opinion is that the voluntary market will merge with the compliance market because there's just not enough credits there to do the job of Fortune 10,000 being carbon neutral and no less all over the world. So we're talking multinational corporations. So we're seeing some uh, buying and some targets like 120 million tons by shell. But the reality is there's not enough supply right now. And because there's not enough supply, there's a lot of new actors entering the market. And I can't vet every single token exchange that I see popping up in Estonia or Canada or Brazil or Spain, but they're there and more coming. And I think for your viewers, you have to look at vetting what you're buying. The highest quality credits following the process I just outlined through carbon developers, through verification and validation, that makes it pristine. That bulletproofs it from greenwashing because that makes these real projects, that makes these highly valued in the market. And I see this carbon market growing at least to $100 billion for the voluntary markets by 2030, maybe even more. Now, having said that, it only passed a billion dollars in September 2021. But as I said, this is the beginning of a market. In the beginning of the market, there's a lot of confusion. There's no liquidity. There's, there's pricing all over the place. And that is all going to be harmonized. There are exchanges. There are validators. There are verification companies. So realistically, the ecosystem for carbon offsets already exists. And I think it's going to be a major opportunity for people to enter the market as employees, as developers, as verifiers, as we get closer to newer technologies. And those technologies could be very simple or they could be very complex, but we have to think about redesigning engines. We have to think about what kind of fuels are going in there. Uh, this, is not, this is not easy and it doesn't happen that quickly. Just an analog, when I breathe the air carriers on GHG, their technology cycles are 40 years. So the transportation sector has long live cycles uh, that similarly, maybe not 40 years, but pretty long term. And therefore, you're not going to see everybody pivot quickly here. But what they need to be cognizant of, you should be, the sustainability managers need to be very versed in what are carbon offsets, what is their value, how they are material on the balance sheet, and how do you actually go about buying them. Now, there are environmental over-the-counter brokers that broker these kind of deals. They are very active. I happen to know their businesses are flourishing. 
I saw last week that TPG bought Element Markets. So I think you're going to see consolidation in the brokerage community. There are a number of carbon funds emerging, mostly in the UK right now. But I saw this happen before. At one time, we had three $1 billion carbon funds. I think that's going to be small potatoes. I think we're looking at the beginning of the largest commodity market we've ever seen. I can't even size it. Is it $3 trillion? Is it $6 trillion? I really don't know because it's just getting going. With 35% of trucks on the road driving empty, 87 million metric tons of carbon emissions are produced annually. Leveraging machine learning and automation, Convoy is efficiently connecting shippers with carriers while reducing carbon emissions. Learn how Convoy's technology can help your business run efficiently and build toward a no empty miles future at convoy.com slash sustainability. You mentioned developers. So for the benefit of the, the viewers again, um, so you've got pricing that's happening um, around these offsets, which is sending a signal to people that they can deploy cash to develop these, um, these projects. And as you said, the projects are being um, are being registered at the registries, the trusted registries, and then they're entering in the market. They're, they're producing over time um, offsets that they're either pre-selling to people who are, um, are trying to take those um, from the developers before they hit the market, um, or they're taking them to the market to sell kind of in a spot or um, a forward basis. And those are, I want to I dig into that in a second, but stick, you know, staying back in the developers the stage, um, you know, these folks are going out, they're doing um, reforestation, forestry protection, they're doing carbon capture. Why is it important, like, just to, you know, it, it may seem obvious because you've been this for so long, but for someone who's, you know, new to offsets, what is actually happening here? Um, and, and how does that translate back to the, you know, the consumption by the buyers, uh, the corporate buyers at this point? Well, well, here's the simple fact. We're only talking about one commodity, CO2E, CO2 equivalent. You know, if you go into the fuels uh, arena, you're looking at fuel specifications that are myriad. There are many different types of diesel fuel, many different types of gasoline, many different types uh, relying on octane or whatever. Here we have a very simple commodity called CO2E. So this is very easy to measure and verify and validate. That, I've never seen a market like that before. The second thing is this market shifted from an oversupply market a year ago to an undersupply market. If you look at any of the curves, there just aren't enough credits being generated today to satisfy the corporate need right now. And going forward, I actually think you're going to see a one-way market where, as you mentioned, there are pre-selling of credits to corporates but there's going to just be so much activity of carbon neutrality. And the, and the thing that's always missed, you know, people look at server farms like Facebook or Microsoft or Google. That's not material. Uh, data centers are about 2% of energy demand. They may rise to 8% of energy demand. The real folks in the middle of this are the, is the energy industry, which is the world's largest industry, also the world's largest polluter. So therefore, it's material to energy companies to really be cognizant of who they're engaging with. You need pristine companies that, because I know what's going to happen, or there's going to be a lot of, and you don't want an environmental black eye. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. 
So the, this, this nonsense about greenwashing and the UK calls it dodgy credits. Yes, there are going to be bad actors. But realistically, if you're a corporation, you don't want reputational risk. I have made corporate board presentations. You have to look at this as a long-term play that you're going to be active in the market to buy these credits, to retire these credits, or to you can trade them, and that's a, more of a speculative thing. But for corporations, most of them are not going to have carbon trading desks. That's just not going to happen. Realistically, uh, the banks are very active here. And as I mentioned, the developers are hiring people. They are going to double in size this year. And realistically, uh, forestry was 41% of carbon offsets up to 2020. That's going to flip even farther. And as you've seen all these forest fires around the world, there's an opportunity to replant trees, which is called reforestation, which is going to have a, actually a higher value, a greater uplift in the markets, because uh, the baseline will be basically zero. You've, you've burned everything up. Now you replant. And it's not so far-fetched. I'm seeing a, a lot of initiatives to plant millions and billions of trees. And so that's going to be a big piece of this. The way carbon world works, there are only two natural carbon sinks in the world. One are the oceans and one are forestry. If we didn't have either, the carbon footprint of the world would be 52 billion tons right now. Instead, it's 38. So that forest cover, those oceans, a lot of activity in biodiversity to protect animals, a lot of activity in blue carbon, which is ocean carbon, mangroves, kelp beds. Uh, it's, it's not science fiction, it's science fact. There's a lot of great technology companies entering this space to actually figure out ways that they can sequester carbon, capture carbon, create carbon credits, and get paid to do the right thing, as we say in New York. I think that's a perfect summary. There's developers who see a price signal, who are creating carbon sinks around the world um, to try to, you know, in, in, in doing so, minting offsets that they can then monetize to help, you know, continue to create investment and obviously create some profit as well. Um, and so there is, there is a circularness to it, right? It is an ecosystem where there's, um, you know, increased demand, which is whether it's regulatory pressure or social pressure, or just you know um, companies looking to, to to do good on their own, um, and then that demand is sending a signal for investment. And I think it's been interesting, at least from my perspective, to see all the technologies you've talked about. And there's even you know more innovative stuff around the corner that is you know pulling a higher price. Um, but hopefully, those technologies, the price comes down in terms of how the the firm so they, they they the corporates let's say we're we're talking to people who are in transportation um they feel the need to to invest in offsets um they understand now um how this works and why it's important right we're collectively trying to um reduce uh carbon across the globe um and they need to do their part and they feel compelled to and so they, they say all right peter how do I get into this in this market? Um, you know, how do I interface? How do I buy? Who do I not necessarily specifics of who to reach out to, but kind of what are the fundamentals of uh, transaction? Typically, because 
there's really not enough talent for to go around for everybody, and there's no kind of carbon trading school that I'm aware of. The, the, the best entry point is to go to the over-the-counter brokers, to go to the evolution markets, the element markets, the TFS energies. They are in the day-to-day market on the buy and sell side. The brokers do not take a position. Uh, they really understand market transparency. They know trends analysis. They, they have an inventory. And these companies have been around 20, 25 years. It's not like they're new players. The interesting thing I've seen is that we kind of built a carbon in- infrastructure and ecosystem about 10 years ago, and that kind of went away, but now those people are still around, so it's all coming back. And what's happened now is the entire world is now focused on carbon credits. I'm talking to a gentleman who's running the Meta Green Exchange in Singapore, and he was he's going to be speaking at my Wall Street Green Summit. So this is a global phenomenon. This is not delineated by geographies. And particularly if you start getting into other parts of the supply chain, like shipping and air, uh, then it becomes even bigger market because a lot of companies, and I'm gonna say it again, will not be able to innovate fast enough or can they to be carbon neutral by 2030. And talking about net zero is too much of an outlier. The real target right now is carbon neutrality. And that is what companies need. I got a call a few months ago from a chairman of a mining company. Similarly, he wants to get ahead of this. He wants to get ahead on sustainability reporting. And I think that's pretty smart. If you look at it, you can wait, be deer in the headlights when this happens. And believe me, folks, the SEC, Gary Gensler is going to run this show. And the way it works on the regulatory side, and I'm a former regulator, so I'll give you a little context. You propose a new rule. It's called a notice of proposed rulemaking. You have public hearings, then you have written comments. That is a long process. And for something as so contentious as decarbonizing the U.S. economy, that's basically an 18-month runway. And that's my inside track up from D.C. lawyers. They don't see this happening this year. They see the, the notice out. They see maybe the comments. But we really have the final rule probably first half next year. When that happens... This becomes material on the balance sheet of every U.S. corporation. Uh, So you can run, but you can't hide. And that is something, that documentation has to be signed off by the C-suite. So I actually see this as the real beginning of the carbon market. So I'm calling this the second coming of carbon markets. In in that response, you said two words, which um, for folks who aren't doing this every day probably can't distinguish between the two net zero versus carbon neutrality. Can you just describe the difference between the two? Yes, so basically the idea is to get our carbon footprint down by 2030 so you're not emitting more than you're making So and be basically at net zero, pos- I mean, excuse me, carbon neutral. Net zero is gonna be a very hard place to get to. I actually don't think it's gonna happen by 2050. I don't see the uh, lubricity. I don't see jet fuels, for example, changing over to biofuels in mass because of lubricity issue. There is science here, and there, and there is volatility. You don't want uh, the Earth, you know, to be only evol- evolving through a net zero economy. I don't think it can happen. I've seen some countries commit to net zero by 2070. Let's just move the yardsticks so nobody's around by then. Uh, but the reality is carbon neutrality 
is a doable target by 2030. Some countries will be 2035. Net zero, really zero emissions is almost impossible in my opinion. I, I still think we're gonna be using fossil energy. I would just, you know, when I worked on the Prius, I'll give you an analog. We changed the technology under the hood. It still ran on gasoline, but it emitted less emissions. And that's how I see things. Technology will become more environmentally benign, but it doesn't mean you're going to get to net zero. It's, I just find it impossible. Uh, I think it's a, it's a wish list. And I think uh, what you're going to see in the next decade plus is a push to carbon neutrality. And that might be good enough because, I, as I said, I've, I've, I've run a venture fund. I don't see the innovation happening that fast. We're talking multi-trillion dollar shift here. The energy industry is a $6 trillion business. Clean energy is only $900 billion of that. And so, so the game's going to change into using fossil fuels, which a lot of people don't like, but use them, in my opinion, more efficiently and environmentally benignly, just like the Prius. Okay, that makes sense. So um, net, you may be striving to get to net zero, but it's gonna be hard to get there. So let's say you reduce by 50%, then you can offset that other 50% with credits, and then you'd be carbon neutral, but you would not be net zero. That's correct. I, I just think it's, you know, the thing about the Paris Accords, which everybody forgets, a lot of it's aspirational. There's no carbon pricing in the Paris Accords. It's, it's so realistically, the way the world really works is for corporations who think long-term, this is a CapEx expense and they're not gonna be spending money willy-nilly. They're gonna be extremely cognizant of how they can tweak things. I'll give you an example. Many years ago, I was talking to the sustainability manager at Walmart. He says, Peter, one thing we're doing is we're turning off our truck engines from idling, and that's saving us 25 million a year. It doesn't sound like much money, but that's what Walmart was doing with sustainability. So there are, you know, there's an expression, little things mean a lot. We can do little things too to tweak this. No, I think that's spot on. And, you know, we hear a lot of examples of that. Peter, this has been super insightful. Um, I would love to give you a chance to talk about the uh, Wall Street Green Summit that's happening later this month. Wow, it's already March. Yes, on March 28th, 29th, 30, 31st, we have the 21st Wall Street Green Summit, which is the oldest sustainable finance event in North America. Day two, I think, would be very interesting to your audience because it is totally focused on carbon. We have carbon exchanges, we have carbon developers, we have nature-based solutions. So we've got 12 speakers really focusing on the state of the carbon market, particularly the voluntary market, Danny, as we were talking about before, but actually moving forward. If you're interested, just go to the Wall Street Green Summit on the web and the program's there. Thank you very much, Danny. Thank you.